Chapter 1 A Passerby on That Grey Morning A passerby on that grey morning in March 1897, crossing, at his own risk and peril, Place Maubert, or the Mobe, as it was known in criminal circles, formerly a centre of university life in the Middle Ages, when students flocked there from the Faculty of Arts in Vicus Traminius, or Rue du Foire, and later a place of execution for apostles of free thought, such as Etienne Dolé, would have found himself in one of the few spots in Paris spared from Baron Haussmann's devastations, amid a tangle of malodorous alleys, sliced in two by the course of the Bievre, which still emerged here, flowing out from the bowels of the metropolis, where it had long been confined, before emptying feverish, gasping, and verminous into the nearby Seine. From Plasmobile, already scarred by Boulevard Saint-Germain, a web of narrow lanes still branched off, such as Rue Maitre-Albert, Rue Saint-Séverin, Rue Galande, Rue de la Boucherie, Rue Saint-Julien-le-Pauvre, as far as Rue de la Richette, littered with filthy hotels generally run by Auvergne hoteliers of legendary cupidity, who demanded one franc for the first night and forty centimes thereafter, plus twenty sous if you wanted a sheet. If he were to turn into what was later to become Rue Santon, but was then still Rue d'Amboise, about halfway along the street, between a brothel masquerading as a brasserie and a tavern that served dinner with foul wine for two sous, cheap even then, but all that was affordable to students from the nearby Sorbonne, he would have found an impasse, or blind alley, which by that time was called Impasse Maubert, but up to 1865 had been called Cul de Sac d'Amboise, and years earlier had housed a tapis franc in underworld slang a tavern, a hostelry of ill fame, usually run by an ex-convict, and the haunt of felons just released from jail. And it was also notorious because in the eighteenth century there had stood here the laboratory of three celebrated women poisoners, found one day asphyxiated by the deadly substances they were distilling on their stoves. At the end of that alleyway, quite inconspicuous, was the window of a junk shop that a faded sign extolled as Procontage de Qualité, a window whose glass was covered by such a thick layer of dust that it was hard to see the goods on display, or the interior, each pane being little more than twenty centimeters square, all held together by a wooden frame. Beside the window, he would have seen a door always shut and a notice beside the bell-pull announcing that the proprietor was temporarily absent. But if, as rarely happened, the door was open, anyone entering would have been able to make out in the half-light illuminating that dingy hovel, arranged on a few precarious shelves and several equally unsteady tables, a jumble of objects that, though attractive at first sight, would on closer inspection have turned out to be totally unsuitable for any honest commercial trade, even if they were to be offered at knock-down prices. They included a pair of fire-dogs that would have disgraced any hearth, a pendulum clock in flaking blue enamel, cushions, once perhaps embroidered in bright colors, vase-stands with chipped ceramic putty, small wobbly tables of indeterminate style, a rusty iron visiting-card holder, indefinable poker-work boxes, 
hideous mother-of-pearl fans decorated with Chinese designs, a necklace that might have been amber, two white felt slippers with buckles encrusted with Irish diamantes, a chipped bust of Napoleon, butterflies under crazed glass, multicolored marble fruit under a once transparent bell, coconut shells, old albums with mediocre watercolors of flowers, a framed daguerreotype which even then hardly seemed old. So if someone taking a perverse fancy to one of those shameful remnants of past distraints on the possessions of destitute families, and finding himself in front of the highly suspicious proprietor, had asked the price, he would have heard a figure that would have deterred even the most eccentric collector of antiquarian teratology. And if the visitor, by virtue of some special permission, had continued on through a second door separating the inside of the shop,